2: Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. This week, you might feel like you're seeing double. It's episode 466 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Not only do we have two sixes, but we have two Rachel Vices this week because we're going to be talking about Dead Ringers, the new series from Prime Video which is now streaming. I've got a couple of guests from that show. Brittany Ulford, who plays Genevieve, and Poppy Liu, who plays Greta. And these are two very, very important characters in this story of Dead Ringers. You're not going to want to miss that. Plus, we'll revisit Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies by talking to Alexis Cetus, who plays Potato, one of the T-Birds, on the show so we'll talk to him and get caught up with what's going on with that paramount plus series also going to give you my spoiler filled review of season three of the mandalorian we'll talk about the diplomat from netflix yeah it's finally time to talk about the jonathan major story yeah I'll, I'll dig into that and a bunch of other nerd news as well but you know it's time for some interviews right dead ringers we'll talk about that with Brittany Olford and poppy Liu. up next on the down and nerdy podcast
0: This is Summer Vischel from The Magicians, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy
2: Podcast. Rachel Vice is twice as nice. The brand new series Dead Ringers is now streaming on Prime Video and is an intense look at twins trying to change the birthing process for women, but so much more than that. I got a chance to talk to a couple members of the cast of this series, starting with Brittany Oldford, who plays Genevieve and who plays a big, big role in this show. Let's see how much she'll tell us about it without spoiling anything. Hey, Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm
3: good, thanks. How are you?
2: Doing very well, thank you. Now, you get—you have a lot of scenes, obviously, with Rachel in the show. Some of them can be quite intense, too. So what was it like working with her on the show?
3: It was the most incredible experience working with Rachel on the show. She is so generous with her time and her energy. And I mean, it's Rachel Weiss She's one of the most impeccable actresses of our time. So <laughs> I'm still beside myself about it. It was an honor.
2: I can only imagine. Now, it seems obvious, even in the trailer, so I don't think this is a spoiler here. There's some <laughs> major chemistry mm. between Genevieve and Beverly. It's just palpable. So what, what is it that you think kind of draws them to each other?
3: I think, I mean, what draws any two people towards each other? There's an energy and a connection and something that is alluring and mysterious, and you want to find out more. So yeah, I think that there was just a pull that they couldn't, they couldn't get past.
2: Oh that that is definitely that's <laughs> that's an understatement for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the relationship between Beverly and Elliot is a complicated one to say the least. Now mm. again, we don't want to spoil anything but how much can you tell us about Genevieve's opinion of Elliot?
3: I think that Genevieve tries to reserve opinion. I think that she tries to be as non-judgmental as possible but can't help but be a bit unnerved and a bit skeptical and concerned about their dynamic which is completely justified. Oh, absolutely. (laughs)
2: It's definitely justified for sure. So this series deals with some very serious subject matter, Brittany. I mean, like infertility, infertility is just to name a couple. So my wife and I struggled with infertility Mm. for years before we finally were able to have our family. So how important is it for a show like this to kind of put a spotlight on those issues and how it affects people and the people around them too?
3: I think it's incredibly important to have a show... I mean, the way that most people consume media nowadays, you get your information from entertainment. So I think it's incredibly important to have shows like this that are impactful and provocative and speaking about real things and big subject matter that impact, what is it, 58% of the population on the planet? And it's the process that every single one of us go through to be here. Yeah, it's pretty important. And I think it's done so beautifully in this project. And it's, uh, I just can't wait for people to see it.
2: Really quickly, Brittany, before I let you go, again, no spoilers, but how surprised were you at the ending, at the final final part of the episode? How shocked were you when you found out that's what it was gonna be?
3: I've seen the original film, so there's that. And I'll just say that. I was quite shocked by some of the twists and turns that happen, to say the very least.
2: Uh And there are definitely plenty of those, (laughs) trust me. And you'll get to see it when Dead Ringers premieres on Prime Video on April the 21st. And you will just see the amazing things she does with Genevieve. Brittany, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank
3: you so much. Take care.
2: A character with a little bit more mystery involved in her in this show is Greta, who's played by Poppy Liu. And I got a chance to talk to Poppy about their character. And I got to say, they did give us a few clues. Hello, Poppy. How are you?
1: Hi, James. It's Nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you as well. So I feel like as I'm watching this show, Poppy, I'm saying to myself, what the hell is Greta doing? Especially like in the early parts of these episodes. So how much did you know about where Greta's part of the story was going to be going as you first started taking the role?
1: James, I know everything.
2: (laughs) I have no doubt.
1: (laughs) I know everything. (laughs) I love that Greta is such a little freak. You really, I mean, yeah. Is she a serial killer? Is she just a strange little introverted weirdo? Is she, does she work for the government as a secret agent? I don't know. Is she so strange? I agree. I mean, I hope that's like, I, even yesterday after the, the premiere, they showed the first two episodes. And I was like, I want everyone's wildest takes on who she is. Someone was like, she works for the FDA also. And I was like, while wow, the FDA would hire like, <laughs> Strange little Greta. How much you find
2: her? Yeah, just seeing those first two episodes, I would have walked out of that thing like, what? What? What?" Luckily, I've seen more. So I kind of know. I know just as much as you do, apparently. (laughs) But I think it's fair to say that no one can really understand what Elliot and Beverly's life is actually like. But is it possible you think that Greta knows them better than anybody else does?
1: I think that's very insightful. I think, yes. Like, I think Greta is the person behind the scenes who's like, figuratively and literally cleaning up all their messes because i think the the mantle twins live in such a like a hyper hyper privileged bubble they like live very without consequences and they make reckless decisions they so and i you, you see this with anyone who's in a position of power is like they'll they'll make decisions without knowing that it's an impact. Dozens, hundreds, thousands of people, and it's everyone else who invisibly is cleaning up their messes. And I think there is like there is a commentary in class there. Like you see Greta's home, and you see where she goes to work, and you know she's really putting on this persona to show up at the Mandel twins' apartment. Um, and she does. She sees it all. She sees really like the ugly side very much, and is very hands on. But like I feel like in every field, wherever there's a powerful person, there is one to hundreds of people who are just cleaning up the dirty little messes that they make.
2: And everybody needs that person for sure. Before I let you go really quickly, Poppy, this show has a heavy focus on the twins for obvious reasons, but will we get to learn a little bit more about Greta's backstory as well?
1: Yes, I think Greta's backstory will be slowly revealed throughout. And in the meantime, you're just going to get these freaky little tidbits of things that she does and no explanation. I love that. I love that you just see her do stuff and she just like doesn't say a word.
2: Well, those freaky little tidbits begin on April the 21st. That's when Dead Ringers premieres on Prime Video and you get to see what she's up to. Poppy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, James. Nice to meet you.
2: Freaky actually describes the show quite well as a whole because there's just so much going on in this show. But at the same time, the laser focus on the twins and their story is a really, really intriguing one. And this goes far past stories of you know, childbirth and infertility and things like that, there's a deep thriller and even some science and thought-provoking things involved here as well that make this thing just such a deep and personal at times story too. So I got to tell you, if there's a unique show out there right now, it is Dead Ringers. Don't miss this one streaming on Prime Video, but just get ready for a very, very intense ride with some really good acting performances. Again, thanks to the cast of Dead Ringers for joining me to talk about the brand new Prime Video series this week. Up next, I can't wait any longer. I've got to give you my spoiler field review of the Mandalorian Season 3 finale. I'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
4: Hi, this is Sean Sipos from Krypton, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: The fight for Mandalore is on and so much more. You've seen the Season 3 finale of the Mandalorian. Now it's time for me to weigh in Full-on spoilers, you might have seen my knee-jerk reaction to the show's finale on Instagram or on TikTok, but I wanted to dive in full spoilers on this week's podcast. So Just be aware of that if you haven't had a chance to watch the finale yet and you still haven't gotten it spoiled for you. But one thing I got to say before I dive into the nuts and bolts of this episode is that it's it's interesting for me to see the mixed reactions that this has gotten so far and right after it aired because there's, there's some that loved it. There's also some that hated it, thought it was, you know, oh, it's such a Disney ending or, oh, it was just so weak. Here's the deal. So, so many people, including myself, by the way, were stressed out with all these fan theories about, you know, who's the, who's the rat, you know, who's the one that is betraying the the Mandalorians and giving stuff, giving information to Moff Gideon, What's going to happen with Din Djarin? What's going to happen with Grogu? What's going to happen with bo Blah, 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 blah. Is the armor a traitor? All this stuff. And then all of a sudden, they say, you know what? None of that. None of that. And that was, to me, if you wanted a surprise, oh, there were no surprises. That was the freaking surprise. The freaking surprise is that we were wrong about everything. Not, not everybody, right? Not everybody. But I didn't see anyone that said, oh, well, they're just going to live happily ever after. Nobody had that. Nobody had that. And by the way, what is wrong with a happy ending? Have we gotten that far gone as a society or, or as fans that we can't just appreciate a happy ending when it's given to us? The unhappy ending that, by the way, we want. We wanted this. Did we want Din Djarin's memory to get wiped like I thought it was going to and him to forget Grogu? That's one thing I thought was going to happen. That didn't happen. And they both lived. By the way, did I want the armorer to be a traitor? No. I th- expected that she was, but I didn't want that. And guess what? She wasn't. Neither was Axe, by the way. Axe Wolves was one of the heroes of this episode when he crashes the Imperial ship into the base, destroying it, and by the way, possibly killing Moff Gideon. But I'll get to that here in just a second. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to all that. But we got the happy ending that we actually wanted. We get to see Grogu and Din Dindra- Not only that, we, we get to see... Din adopt Grogu officially so now he's Din Grogu and I'm sitting here crying like a baby over this whole thing and then we get to see them go off to Navarro they've got their little cabin and out of the way place where even grief says to be happy with your family and I'm like you just keep hitting me in the feels while you're at it just keep hitting me in the feels and then you get to see them You know, Din's just kind of sitting on the porch like a like a like a dad watching his kid play. And that's what we get. That's the ending that we get. Now, did I expect a ship to like fall out of the sky and crush Din and his little cabin? Kind of did because I was warned that this one was going to this episode was going to hurt. And then it didn't. And when it didn't, I was so relieved that it didn't. So we got we got everything we wanted and some people still weren't happy with it. Still weren't happy with it. We get the Mandalorians that got Mandalore back. Okay, Bo-Katan got her seat on the throne. Okay, she is going to, at least it looks like, rule Mandalore. Din gets to do exactly what he wants to do. He gets to forget the Darksaber, forget all this stuff, go off on his own, and now train Grogu to be a Mandalorian and maybe even work for the New Republic at the same time, which is another thing that we got teased for us. In this thing, and, th- and that could be a cool story, no matter what you think, that could be a cool story. So, we get all of these happy things instead of having our souls crushed, like which, which is exactly what usually happens. And then some people can't be satisfied with that. There was plenty of action in this episode, there were some amazing fight scenes. We even got to see Grogu do his thing to a lesser degree, okay, because you've got the Crimson Guard there. And when he was facing off against them alone, was I scared to death for him? Yes, I absolutely was. And then we get to see, you know, the day gets saved several times by several different characters. We get to see Grogu save Din. We get to see Din save Grogu. We get to see Bo-Katan save the both of them at one point. We get to see Din face off against Moff Gideon. We get to see Bo-Katan face off against Moff Gideon. Even Grogu helping in that final battle against Moff Gideon as well. So we get to all of these things, and we get to see this giant fight be- between these new Mando troopers and-, and the Mandalorians. And it's this battle, and you get the armor swinging her friggin' hammer knocking people's friggin' heads off. And there's so much stuff going on in this episode that my synapses are just firing all over the place. And yet, some people j- just still wasn't enough for them. So I just decided to ignore all that and enjoy it. I still am so amped, if you can't tell. About this season 3 finale. And I got everything I wanted. I wanted a happy ending. There is still a story here to tell. You're acting like not getting some of these fan prediction things. Means that there's no story left to go. Oh they built on absolutely nothing. You know what they built on for the last 3 seasons. Not this season. The last 3 seasons of this show. They built on on the relationship between Dinjarin and Grogu and gave us the ending they've been that we've been hoping for for three seasons now. Happily Ever After for now. They deserve a little shred of happiness. Our favorite characters shouldn't have to suffer constantly or be in peril constantly for us to be interested in the story. Every now and then getting a happy ending is not the end of the world because you know what we get all the time? We get twists. We get turns. we get stu- And, and t- I still think that giving them a happy ending is the twist in this thing. So we got certain things that were built on. Bo-Katan's story has been built on for at least two seasons to get her position where she's at now. We finally dispelled a much, much debated rumor about the armorer being a traitor. Now we know she's not. And I feel like I need to apologize to the armorer at this point, because she's done clearly nothing wrong. Axe Wolves, same thing. Was he a douche? Yes. Did I think he was the, ultimately the one that betrayed them? Yes, because he, you know, he maybe he thought he had hashtag reasons, but he didn't. He was still loyal, even though he was a douche. And then you get to see him leading the charge for Bo Katan when they finally have taken Mandalore back and the whole for Mandalore thing. And it was incredible. It was incredible that moment where all of the Mandalorians are standing there in victory. It was so amazing. We get all of these things that absolutely were 100% built on, but because your theory didn't pan out, you're upset. And that drives me nuts. But there are still plenty of fans that enjoyed it just as much as I did. And, and And you know what? You want to hate it? Fine. Go ahead and hate it. But I think that there's still a lot of story left here to tell, first of all. Second of all, I think that just getting happy endings is not not a terrible thing. And this is actually a good reset for the show that, again, maybe needs a reset at this point. Maybe needs to head in a different direction a little bit with this now new focus. Now, do I think Moff Gideon is completely gone? Not necessarily. You saw the clones, right? And yes, Din Djarin destroyed the clones, but what if... That was a clone that he was fighting too. What if that was a clone that he and Bo-Katan were fighting? Was that the actual Moff Gideon? There's no way to know for sure now that we've introduced clones that that was the Moff Gideon. They have no way of knowing that. So I'm not saying we've seen the last of Moff Gideon just yet. So I would not be surprised to see him show up at some point. But I got to say this, this episode was everything I didn't think I was going to get and that I am so grateful that We did get so I was very happy with the season three finale of the Mandalorian. I was so worried I wouldn't be able to watch that episode ever after this because of how much it was going to rip my guts out and when it didn't not only did I breathe such a sigh of relief, I couldn't wait to watch it again. So another now wasn't an always brilliant season. No, but it certainly had many memorable moments and I, I certainly I still enjoyed every episode for what it was but maybe i'm a mandalorian apologist at this point and i just don't care because i loved it that's going to do it for my spoiler filled review of the mandalorian season three finale up next got another interview for you greece rise of the pink ladies still streaming with new episodes on prime video i'll talk to alexis sides up next who plays potato one of the t-birds we'll get into that next on the down and nerdy podcast
0: My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one.
3: Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, this is Blair Redford from The Gifted,
4: and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: Well, you know, we talked about it before. We loved it so much. We're going to talk about it again. Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies, which is still streaming on Paramount+. Plus. New episodes drop every Thursday. And, you know, it's time for some potato because we've got Alexis Cetus with us this week. Alexis, how you doing?
4: How's it going, James? Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time.
2: Man, we're, having, we're just having so much fun watching this show, and I know I'm not alone. What's the fan reaction been like for you, man?
4: It's been great. I've been on Twitter and everybody's loving it. Like actually today, today they released a new episode. So I've been on Twitter constantly and I love it. 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 it. So I'm like, wow, the reception that the the audience is is taking like as as episodes release is amazing.
2: It has been incredible. Now, I want to take you back to the very beginning, getting into that character, putting on that T-Birds jacket. For the first time, what's that like for you, man? Because there's just, there's history attached to that.
4: It was amazing. Just uh, since the, from the first time that I had to go to costu- costumes and, and try the jacket on without the the logo, I just felt the power already. You know what I mean? And and, and when I got into my, my trailer and I saw the jacket and I put it on, I was staring myself at the mirror for so much time. Like I was 15 minutes staring at the mirror, just taking pictures and everything. <laughs> My mom and everything, I'm like, I just couldn't believe it. It's the t You're talking about Danny Zuko and all these guys, you know what I mean? And and just being able to step into that jacket, it was just magical.
2: So you talked about the new episode. Uh, let's. I'm going to dig into that for just a second, talking about the jacket, because, you know, you guys were without jackets. And this, uh, what was that like? Did that feel weird to, like, not have the jacket on and all everything that was attached to that?
4: There is a part where, where we don't have our jackets, and it kind of – and then I remember that we – it was one scene in, and, and I think – it was in the school. Yeah, it was, in, it the was in the school. There's one scene where we're in the stairs with, with, with Jane where we're making fun of Richie. I think it's in this episode. Yeah. It, we're making fun of Richie because he's talking with Jane and we're upstairs. And that's when we don't have the jackets. And And I remember that that for that scene, they they gave us a note to to be uncomfortable, to be uncomfortable because you yep. don't have the jacket and you, you're like buttoned up and everything. So it's kind of like, it was weird. It was weird. It was sure.
2: wild, man. It was really wild. So for anybody that doesn't know, you're kind of your background, you are born in Mexico. And with the T-Birds have a little bit more of a—they have a Latin flair in this. Of course, you got Richie. We were in his house in a recent episode. What was what was it like to kind of bring more of a, a Latin flair to the T-Birds in this in the series?
4: Amazing. I mean, it was—I was so proud. I was so proud. Like, I mean, not all the not all the greasers were Italians, you know. Like, like there were also Latino and Mexican and Mexican greasers, and and just being able to portray one of those groups is. I was just really, really proud and I was really looking forward to it. And and as Potato, who's, you know, Mexican-American and everything, I was like, wow, let's just do it. I'm not, not even Mexican-American. Like, he's actually Mexican. He was mm-hmm. born in Mexico and and he, he had to move to, to the U.S. a few years later. So I'm just very happy, very happy to be able to portray this and be able to speak in my own language. And sometimes you will be able to see. Who knows? Yes,
2: you absolutely do. So it's a very large camp. When we get to see a lot of characters get their spotlight in this show so are we going to get to see a little bit more about potato at some point because it seems like slowly but surely we're getting more about everybody
4: oh yeah no for sure yeah the first, i think the first four or five episodes is more setting the base for the pink ladies and and what they're going to become and and as episodes come out after episode five we're gonna be talking we're gonna be delving into more other 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 plots and everything and and yeah for sure episode seven i would say is the one that that we learn more about the t words than any other episode, for sure.
2: I just want to know, are we going to find out where the nickname comes from? Are are we going to get the origin of the nickname?
4: Not at this season. Not this season,
2: though. See, the the mystery and the plot thickens for the nicknames. I love that. So when I talked to Marissa a couple of weeks ago, she was talking about how, you know, she kind of cheered everyone on when they weren't in the room. You know, she'd be singing along even to the soundtrack and, and her trailer and just, you know, cheering everybody on. How close were you all on set? Cause it seems like you guys were just a, a very fun tight knit group.
4: Yeah, we were all very close. Like it was, <laughs> I mean, we would, we would have to spend long hours. Uh, you know, it was 16, 15 hours. So we would have to come up with games or, or something while we were waiting. And while doing that, all the relationships just bonded really well. some even ended up being be- like very best friends, you know, like, like some, some people really found their group within, within the cast and and that was just a beautiful thing to see and and we even have our snapchat group like uh, where we just text uh uh what's going on with the uh, with grease and, nice. and and hey we miss you and and it's just we have everyone in that group and 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 it's just so fun to once in a time go in there and, and chat with everyone that's
2: incredible man that's incredible so we see in this latest episode It seems like everybody's starting to come together. It it seems like, you know, we had the the rally for, you know, getting the jackets back. And it seems like we're getting more of a students versus teachers administration ride-off vibe. So are we going to see more of everybody coming together in this thing?
4: Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it is kind of, I wouldn't say it's kind of towards the administration. It's more kind of towards the power, you know, the power that, that is always set by the rich people and everything. And, and that's what, what we're going to see it's going to just being against that preference that that power like you saw it in the episode in the club when you're in the Uh club and and everything like that's who we're going to be fighting against and 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 all the decisions that they're making you know with the whole presidential thing that you're going to see
2: interesting interesting speaking of people coming together and this where we're going to try not to get into any spoiler territory here but we saw a little bit of a tease of potato and dot not too long ago we haven't gotten back to that man are we gonna get back to that maybe at some point could there be something there?
4: maybe maybe you'll have to keep looking you'll have to keep looking but yeah I can't I can't give any more than that but just keep looking that is that is an incredible I mean josette is an incredible scene partner and 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 it was really fun to to film those scenes with her and and hey just keep in the looks if something happens with potato
2: I'm just saying if you get it if, when there's instant vibes Alexis, there's instant vibes i'm I'm just saying that there was a lot of ibage there for sure
0: yeah
4: yeah well, i'm gonna say it's he's a very um flirty guy he's a very flirty guy <laughs> well there's no doubt about that we saw him getting fresh with olivia there too a little bit and Gil had to
2: you know send him straight but you guys had so many great songs i mean 30 plus songs throughout the entire season and it seems like i'm getting the same answer a lot to this question alexis so i gotta ask you and see if you say the same answer as well favorite song let's go wow
4: the thing look I've thought about this a lot because they asked me this question obviously it's not the first time they asked me this question and and I had to go back to all the songs and and listen to them and there's one song that I don't know if I want to give out because it would be a little bit of a spoiler to give out I've I've given names of I've given out names of songs but I think this one in particular which is one of my fa- my favorite ones is a little bit of a spoiler let me go with pulling strings ooh That's pulling another. strings pulling interesting. interesting from that's that's one that Buddy is going to be singing and it's going to be a, 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 a an audience favorite for sure. I know that it's one of my favorites, but yeah, I think pulling strings is beautiful and and yeah, I'm going to keep with pulling strings. I don't want to give my, give out more.
2: <laughs> you you were the first one that did not say new cool.
4: Oh, oh new cool. Hey, it's an amazing song. I love that song also, but it was just something about pulling strings that oh, man. I just loved it.
2: Awesome. Awesome. You get, you guys get to do a lot of dancing as well. I saw you in this latest episode, put put in a little shuffle, which I didn't know you had that in you. Well done. Well yeah. done. What was the most <laughs> difficult choreography for you this
4: season? Everything was very challenging. Like Jamal was really, he went out, he went all the way with it, with a choreography. I think there's one in the last episode that was really, especially hard for me and not because not only because of the choreo, but also because you know, the weather and everything, it was a little bit challenging, but but we made it through. I can't give out the name of the song, but but yeah, I was, I think that one from the last episode was really hard in particular.
2: It just tells us it's going to get more crazy and crazy as the yeah. season goes on. So that's, it's really good to know. Alexis, before I let you go, I want I wanted to talk about something with you that, that I kind of have seen about the show because, you know, you've always got the people that are going to have the criticisms about the show. But I think the most unfair one that I've seen is mm. that the show isn't, historically accurate which makes me roll my eyes every time i hear it so i mean other than telling people hey this isn't cbs news how do you kind of respond to something like that and and what you guys are trying to do with this show
4: look all i'm gonna say is there's a car flying off in the end of the first movie Okay, first of all, you know, like if you want to go see something really realistic, like go and watch (laughs) like there's a lot of other things in, in, in Paramount Plus. They have Yellowstone. They have 1923 or 1880, you know, like they have all those TV shows. We're looking at it from a lens from 23, 2023 lens to a 1978 lens. To a 1954 lens, you know what I mean? Like, like to to an era, you know, to those eras. So yeah, there's some things that are not historically accurate, but neither were some of them in Greece. One, also, I mean, and and it's not about that. It's just about giving a message. And and I think most of the things in 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 Rise of the Pink Ladies were historically accurate for sure. Like we just didn't look at them in the front page as we're looking at it now. You know, I think Greece One was. Was so quick. It was like what one hour twenty minutes, one hour and thirty minutes of a movie. Like you don't you don't get a chance to to delve into all the characters like you would in a ten hour show. <laughs> well, because of the ten episodes, right? So yeah, I think if Grease One would have had ten hours to to delve into the characters, I think maybe something else would have happened. I don't know. I don't know.
2: No doubt about that. Not only did not only was that well said. Oh, you you could have stopped it. There was a flying car. About real, yeah, that right. yeah, that, that you kind of you kind of nailed it on that one for sure.
4: Like, come on,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Couldn't agree more. And you guys can see all of what's going on for the rest of this season. Grease: Rise of the Pink Ladies continuing to stream every Thursday with new episodes on Paramount Plus, and more potato is on the way. We can assure you. Alexis Cetus, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it.
4: Thank you so much for having me, James. I appreciate your time.
2: one thing I didn't get to
4: tell Alexis or ask him about
2: was the facial expressions. Potato has some of the best. Facial expressions on the show, even if he doesn't have a line, just watch him. Just watch his facial expressions; they are priceless. And there's more coming. There's some really good ones coming too. I I can promise you that. And if you've been enjoying Grease: Rise of the Pink Ladies, it, it's just been it's just a fun ride. Honestly, if you love the songs, if you love the choreography, if that is your thing, this is right up your alley. Grease: Rise of the Pink Ladies new episodes streaming every Thursday. On Paramount Plus. Again, thanks to Alexis Cetus for talking to me about Greece. Rise of the Pink Ladies up next. Hey, I got another review for you. Let's talk about the Diplomat from Netflix, the new political intrigue thriller. We'll talk about it next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Alex Irvine, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy
1: Podcast.
2: Sometimes avoiding disaster means you got to change jobs on the fly. The Diplomat is now streaming. On Netflix, starring Kerry Russell. I'm going to give you my spoiler-free review of this thing since it just came out. But yes, this does star Kerry Russell as Kate Weiler, who basically ends up being in a high-profile job of diplomat of the United Kingdom. I will tell you this much, is that basically, and you've probably seen this on the trailer anyway, there was an attack on the British military, and they think that Iran is involved in the attack, so they send Kate Weiler down there to sort of try and defuse the situation, you know, stop World War Three type stuff. But the problem is, is that her husband, Hal Weiler, who's played by Rufus Sewell, was a very high-profile ambassador himself, and everybody still remembers who he is, but there's a reason why he's in the position that he's in of not being an ambassador anymore. And they kind of get into that as the series goes on. But I will say this, just plainly off the top, is that this show has such West Wing vibes to me. Is it the exact kind of story of West Wing? Absolutely not. But it has just such vibes of the show because it works in humor when it can. It also works in the seriousness of the situation. There's a whole bunch of political stuff that gets thrown around like the jargon and all the ins and outs of things that are going on. It really leaves no stone unturned as to the steps in the process, in the the lefts and rights and things that sort of happen on the fly. So it's really, really neat to sort of be involved in all of that. Now, you know, how much of it is true to life? You know, you you can't know unless you're in that world, right? But at the same time, it just, the, the vibe is so there. One of the things you loved about the West Wing was that you got the political intrigue, but you also got the humor and the great character work as well. This show has all of those things, but Kate Weiler is about to find out that it's not just about this and it's not just about her becoming the ambassador. There's a there's a much bigger thing out there that we will get that they will get into in this series and this digs so much deeper than you think it does. And there's a, there's actually a lot of great characters in this. I love Elion's character of of Idra, the CIA the operative that's in not operative the, the head of the CIA station in the UK. She's a lot of fun. And there's a bunch of other characters that are really interesting as well. Rory Kinnear, plus plays the Prime Minister, is very, very good. There's just a lot happening in the series in the beginning. It the, if This is not one of those series that's going to say, okay, here's the characters and let's set the tone for you. They really don't waste time doing that. And not that, that's not, not that that's always a waste of time. They introduce these characters in a hurry. And then they let you get to know them on the fly, because it makes it, the way they present the show to you, not only are they in the mess, you feel like you're in the mess with them, if that makes sense. like It's like, okay, stuff's happening, and stuff's happening fast, so come with us and try and keep up, sort of thing. But not in a bad way either. They're not rushing it, but they're making you feel like you're part of the urgency that is the situation that they're in right now. And I think that's one of the brilliant parts of the storytelling of this show, is that they make you feel like, You're a part of it. Again, very West Wing-esque the way that they're doing that. And I hate to keep throwing that out there because I don't want you saying, oh, this is my next West Wing. Maybe it will be for you, but I don't want to pre-blow your mind with that expectation because let's face it, that is a high bar to set. But when you've got somebody like Carrie Russell that is leading the charge here, I think I can say that and be okay because she's found her niche in shows like this. This is the kind of show, and we learned that from the Americans, which, again, was a very different show. This is the kind of show where Carrie Russell just shines. Her, her just approach, her attitude, this Kate Weiler character, you're going to fall in love with her. I'm just saying. There's just so much to love about her, and what she just cares and doesn't care about is really just on the mark. And the chemistry between Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell as Kate and Hal Weiler, who have a very unique and interesting marriage and relationship. Yeah, I think you're going to really dig this and the ins and outs of what's happening there. It's, It's just as much a power struggle in the marriage as it is in their work life. And that can get very, very messy, very, very fast. I'm just saying that there's a lot going on here and there are no real slow moments for me in this show, which I think is really neat. And it, it doesn't necessarily keep you on the edge of your seat all the time, but there's certainly some edge of your seat moments that you can expect while you're watching The Diplomat. It's an eight episode series, quick binge that you could do probably in a weekend. I think that that's a pretty good idea. So The Diplomat now streaming on Netflix. Don't miss this one. I was very impressed and I was already at high expectations for the show. It did not disappoint. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of The Diplomat from Netflix. Up next, let's dig into, let's say, some uncomfortable nerd news. Next, on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Katrina Law from Arrow, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: The Conqueror just might end up being the Conquered. It's time for nerd news. And I'd avoided talking about this largely because, uh, you know, nothing was proved, and nothing still is proved as of me recording this. Anyway, but I, I try not to talk about stories like this until all the facts are out there, but I can't not talk about the Jonathan Majors situation anymore. Now, I want to make it clear before I get into any of this is I'm not saying anybody's guilty or innocent. I'm not saying, you know, these are allegations. These I am saying that these are allegations at this point, 100%. These are just my opinions on what I have in front of me. So far, should I give any opinion? So let's recap, shall we? And that is that Jonathan Majors, of course, was accused of domestic violence uh, on his na- on his then girlfriend. I don't know if they're still together now. That's really not important in the means of this conversation. So fast forward to there, there was a lot of, you know, mixed stuff coming out about that story. And then it kind of went away for a-, a while. Now, fast forward to him being dropped by his management company which sort of threw up some red flags. And then all of a sudden he started losing other gigs and he started losing endorsements and more allegations started coming out from other women. And his attorney, of course, says he'll be fully exonerated. And we don't know whether that will or will not be the case. And there there were some rumblings even when the first story came out, but I didn't want to talk about them because they're rumblings, right? You don't really know... For sure again until the facts come out and you know the, the thing about stuff like this is that we might never get the facts we really might not but i think what we can do now is say these are allegations you gotta let the legal process play itself out and see where this thing goes however the elephant is in the room right and that is that jonathan majors is a huge part of what marvel studios has going forward and From all indications, Jonathan Majors has a pretty big role in season two of Loki. Is he the main focus of the story? I don't know, but we did see that end credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. You've got Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston there. Clearly, that seems to be from season two of Loki. So he's at least a part of the plot. I can't imagine a small part, given the fact that, again, Marvel Studios always likes to look forward. And say, okay, this is our guy. This is who we're going to be. We're going to be basing things around Kang. Now, let's just say that this gets worse. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there and say this thing gets worse. Then what do you do if you're Marvel? Because Marvel so far has not made a move. And is is it to the point yet where they need to make a move? Probably not. And again, as of me recording this, they haven't made a move. This is one of those things that could change... The drop of a hat in a twenty four hour period it could go from radio silence to he's out and what happens if he's out? What happens to loki Loki season two seems to be the thing that is the 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 thing that's hanging out there the most because obviously not that they would want to do this, and it's this is not ideal but if he's guilty you can't obviously you can't stick with him you absolutely one hundred percent cannot and if he is guilty then you got you got you got to you know you got to get rid of him that's that's the bottom line but here's the deal you could easily recast kang for future projects you could easily do that it, it they did that with rody right and it had nothing to do with any kinds of allegations but all of a sudden john, john don Cheadle was rody and most people don't even remember that there was a different roadie in Iron Man 1. So, and again, that had nothing to do with any allegations of any kind either. But it wouldn't be the first time that Marvel Studios has recast a role. Now, this is probably a bit more of a major role. I'll give you that. But at the same time, it can be done. But what do you do if you're Marvel and you have Loki season two hanging out there and you find out, and this is a big if, if you find out, that Jonathan Majors is indeed guilty and he is indeed going to be replaced as Kang because at that point you'd have to replace him, then what do you do with season two of Loki? And I, 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 it's hard to go forward with that. And I think, you know, everybody that's... I'm not trying to compare the two situations, but people are giving DC a very hard time sticking with the Flash movie given everything that went on with Ezra Miller. And that's moving forward. Could Marvel Studios do the same thing with season two of Loki? Again, sort of different situations as far as magnitude of project, because one is a Disney Plus series and the other one's a major motion picture. I understand that too. But you're also talking about a very similar, you know, major star in legal trouble sort of situation and and serious legal trouble and if they're found to have you know been guilty then do you move forward with that project and just sort of you know take the PR mess that comes with that or I, I can't I can't see a situation where they ditch season two of Loki entirely I just can't I can't see it now does this delay it probably does and they'd have to figure out what they would do with it I don't know that you can really do even like reshoots or anything like that but something we got to start thinking about if he's starting to be dropped from projects and he's been dropped by his management company and Jonathan Majors could be on his way out the I'm sure that these are discussions that are already being had and I'm just very curious to see where this goes and again these are allegations only at this point and we'll just have to see where it goes one thing that is a little less serious, a lot less serious, is the fact that we have the new teaser for the King Kong and Godzilla movies, the monster verse continues. And the title told us quite a bit it's Kong X Godzilla. So there's no more verses, and we have the subtitle of the new empire. So Kong X Godzilla, the new empire. And this is going to be coming out on March the 24th, 2024, even though the, you know, release dates get moved all the time. But for now, that's the release date. And what we're seeing is this new Kong type monster, but with glowing blue eyes. So to me, this says we're going to get some sort of a King Kong Godzilla hybrid. And if you look at the synopsis for the show, it says it pits the almighty Kong and the fearsome Godzilla against a colossus a colossal undiscovered threat hidden within our world, challenging their very existence. And of course, our existence too, because you know who else would fight off something like this? And it says that we're gonna get more into the backstory of Kong and Godzilla. We're gonna get into their origins and the mysteries of Skull Island will be continued to be unveiled. This is kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but we could also see King Kong's son involved in this movie somehow. So I gotta say, a Kong Godzilla hybrid monster that would be pretty awesome now is this something that's already existed and I've just forgotten probably and if i and if i did you know you'll you'll I'm sure yell at me on social media whether you have a blue check mark or not so you you'll you'll remind me of of my mistake I'm sure, but the thought of this alone is very very cool and very very interesting. And just the tease alone, you see the, you know, the skulls in there, and you see the silhouettes of Kong and, and Godzilla, and it's just, it was such a wow moment, and it was so simple. It was like a 15 to 30 second, just simple little thing introducing us to the title, and yet it spoke more than most trailers do. It really left a big impression. For something that's not, we're not even going to see for a year, and I, I really hope that come t- come Comic Con in about four months actually, three months now, that's crazy we will finally get a trailer for this, and I'm sure it's going to be epic. So, Kong X Godzilla, the new empire, looking forward to more information on that when it does happen. Here's something that kind of set the Twitter verse and the social media verse on fire, thanks to comicbook.com, and that's that the Russo brothers said that they were interested in directing. James Gunn's Batman movie, The Brave and the Bold. And now they quickly, quickly walked this back because once this got out, they, you know, just everybody went insane thinking that the idea of the Russo brothers directing a Batman movie was the greatest possible thing that could ever happen in the history of mankind. But then they kind of walked it back, and again, I want to paraphrase this, where they said, you know, you know, never say never, but they're more apt to kind of work on a project with a fun fringe character than they would be with Batman. Now, it's not like the Russo brothers are shrinking violets and they're scared of working on something with a major character. They were part of some of the more massive Marvel movies ever. They can handle a Batman movie and they can handle all of the pressure that comes along with something like that. Let's not pretend that a Batman movie is any more pressure than than Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Come on. They've found the maximum... They were the ones that had to close out 10 years plus of storytelling from the MCU. That's about as big a pressure as you can get for as huge as the MCU became. So they could handle a Batman movie for sure. And would that be epic? Oh, I absolutely 100% think it would be epic. Now... Could this actually happen? Is this now, did they walk it back because they're really not sure that they're actually interested? And they just got caught 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 up in the moment. Probably. Or is this one of those things where they accidentally let it slip and now you got to walk it back because it hasn't been announced yet or the ink's not dry yet. I still think that's a little bit of a possibility because you don't just throw something like that out there. These, these guys are very careful. Because they know they've been, they are experienced at doing these interviews and in red cop. This was on the red carpet for their, for the, for Citadel, the series that's coming out on Prime Video next week. This was, they're, they're not, they've had to keep secrets before, right? From, you know, their work with Marvel. They're pretty good at keeping secrets and not letting things get out. So maybe that's an argument for them, for saying that, you know, there's, there's no smoke here. But maybe there is fire and they just, Again, caught up in the excitement, just let it slip. But you also have to keep in mind, when you direct a Batman movie, just like Marvel, that comes with a certain amount of responsibilities, because if that's successful, everybody's going to want to get the band back together, and it's a huge undertaking doing any superhero movie, but this next Batman movie, for a DC Studios that has to get pretty much everything right in this first slate to have even a chance of continuing to exist. Yeah, that 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 is something that you need to understand. And the Russo brothers yes they can handle it, but is this something that they want to sign up for knowing that if it is successful that this is probably what they're going to be doing maybe for another decade off and on. Is this something that they really want to do? Now, do, just because they do one does the, does that mean that they have to do a bunch? No. But that's what everybody's going to want. And that, and the, and when the money's green, it's hard to say no. So I just think that that's, it's a very interesting thing to think about. And I would not be surprised if this ends up being confirmed, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it ends up just being a smoke and mirrors thing where they were caught up in the moment. But yeah, well, I would be super excited for this to actually happen. I'm 50-50. Yeah, actually, I'm maybe 30% that this will happen, 70%. That it was just smoke and mirrors. But hey, anything can happen. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my wonderful guests this week. And make sure you follow up with everything that I've got going on downandnerdypodcast.com. That's where you'll find it all. Since you're listening to the show now, make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribing really, really helps me behind the scenes and, you know, with numbers and stuff like that. So I really appreciate you subscribing. On your favorite podcast app, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really helps out a lot. Also, make sure you follow along on social media at DownAndNerdy757, on Twitter and Instagram at DownAndNerdy on Facebook, at DownAndNerdyPod on TikTok, and find us on YouTube, as well as always some different stuff on TikTok and YouTube, some different video stuff, if you want to get a little bit of a different side of the podcast. But remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly, And be good to your fellow nerds.
0: Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life.
1: If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death.
3: And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, For the last time, we're not kissing, Vince!
0: Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio
3: drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before.
2: You are no more than a demon!
3: Okay, Gown, let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.